0: Just like having a group of people who accepted me unconditionally, who I knew had also been through hard times, who would be there for me, getting connected in a community group that met every week and making church a priority and just like having these things outside of running just were so, so, so vital in giving me an identity and giving me a community and helping me feel like I was part of something bigger than myself. So, yeah, definitely, definitely played a huge role in helping me feel less alone through injury and then through other hard things.
1: That's Aaron Finn, and this is the Morning Shakeout Podcast. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm your host, Mario Fraioli, and for this week's episode of the podcast, I spoke with Erin Finn. Erin is the real deal. She was a 10-time All-American at the University of Michigan and a four-time runner-up at the NCAA Championships. She holds four school records for the Wolverines and has personal bests of 1523 for 5,000 meters and 3151 for 10K. But those numbers don't even begin to tell her story. Now in her mid-twenties, Erin is a first-year medical student at the University of Michigan. She's still running, putting in 80 miles a week around her studies and other commitments, and she has her eye on moving up to the marathon in the next couple of years. We had a great conversation talking about her relationship to the sport and how it's evolved since she first got started as a young kid, why she's inspired by people who go about running differently, and along those lines, why she chose med school over pursuing a career in professional running, We talked about her tendency toward perfectionism and how it can both be a blessing and a curse, getting caught in a cycle of overtraining and under-eating toward the end of her collegiate career and how she pulled herself out of it, where her competitive streak comes from and why she actively has to try and suppress it, the importance of family, faith, and community in her life, and a lot more. This is a good one, folks, so let's dive right in with Erin Finn. All right, Erin Finn, thank you so much for taking a break from your busy medical school schedule to speak with me for the Morning Shakeout podcast.
0: My absolute pleasure. I'm really excited to be here.
1: Let's start there. Let's talk medical school. You are in your first year at University of Michigan Med School, where you did your undergrad work. How are things going for you at this point, given the craziness that is surrounding us in our world right now?
0: Honestly, I love, I love med school so much. Um, I am really, really excited. I, I, am really happy I didn't put it off longer, um, than I did. It's, uh, really just something I wanted to do since I knew I was going to grow up someday. Um, and just to like, Beyond that journey is such—it's um, it's such an incredible honor. Uh, I absolutely love learning what we're learning every day. Not only am I learning like biology and um, pharmacology and physiology and pathophysiology, but I'm also learning how it um, actually applies to people and affects people in real ways and um, in their real lives. And I'm also—and I'm learning how I can make a difference and hopefully help help people. Um, I, I absolutely love it. And I'm really fortunate in that since I'm a first year uh, student, um, we are still in our preclinical curriculum. So the majority of our coursework is um, kind of lecture material, uh, book based learning. So the transition to fully online has been um, pretty seamless. And honestly, that's a big testament to our administration and stuff. Um, but yeah, I've been really lucky that my learning hasn't been too, um, too negatively impacted, especially compared to uh, the second, third, and fourth years who have been pulled off rotation. So mm. I feel really, really lucky right now.
1: When did you first start to take an interest in medicine?
0: Oh, honestly, uh, so my parents are both physicians, and I've you know, grown up since day one wanting to be just like my mom. And, um, so I probably as soon as I, as soon as I knew that I'd grow up, you know, as soon as I I knew that I wasn't going to stay little for forever. So for a really long time.
1: When was that moment for you when you realized that you weren't going to stay little forever and someday you would grow up and want to be a physician yourself?
0: Oh, if I could remember that exact moment, that would be so fun. But, um, I don't know, honestly though, if it was an exact moment. I think um, I just the the older I got, you know, probably between five, six, seven, um, the more I realized how special a person my mom was and how much uh, she did not only for our family, but for um, her community. Um, by serving them you know, um, as a primary care physician, the more I realize that and if I can be half the woman she is, I'll be doing something right with my life. And um, to be able to give back the way she does it would be the greatest honor. And so that's kind of where it started.
1: You're early on in medical school right now, but do you have a clear idea of what path you would like to take?
0: No, which is something I'm actually really excited about. I um. I've known for a long time, so pretty much since, you know, middle school, I knew I wanted to go to college and to run and to study biochemistry and um, to run collegiately and to do all these cool things, Um, and I I had plans. I knew what I wanted to do. Um, And so for the first time, I really don't know what I want to do, and uh, that's for me really exciting, and I think it's leaving a lot of room to explore and to really figure things out and learn more, and so I'm really excited that I don't know exactly what I want to do. And next year, once I'm on rotations, uh, that will hopefully uh, make itself a little more clear.
1: Was not knowing what you wanted to do a little scary before you allowed it to become exciting?
0: I think everything that, um, is unknown, you know, is scary. So, I mean, I've had that, I've had the same, you know, similar thing in running and with races, you know, an unknown before a race, can I take that in and process it as something that's negative and something that's scary and something to dread, or can I look at the opportunity and the excitement in it? So I think, um, it definitely could have been experienced negatively and been scary, but, through things I've learned in running and other aspects of my life, I've been able to, you know, take it as a complete positive and an opportunity.
1: You did your undergrad work at Michigan. You ran there collegiately. You just started med school at University of Michigan. Was that an easy decision for you? Did you weigh any other options such as leaving state or, or going elsewhere? Or did you know all along that you wanted to stay in Ann Arbor?
0: Um. So I, <laughs> I, I have always told myself I didn't want to go to Michigan when I've been looking at other schools. Um, I Stanford actually has always kind of been been my dream school and I almost went there for for undergrad and I almost went there for med school. But um, every time I kind of actually sat down and weighed out all the options, um, Michigan really has just been the better fit for me. Um, my family's really important to me, so that's obviously a really big factor. But also just um, the kind of the culture at the school at um, at Michigan and uh, and different uh, and kind of the way they approach their curriculum, just different things about uh, Michigan really fit me, and I realized that um, I was always comparing things back to Michigan. And for me, it's definitely the right fit. Even though I tried to leave, um, it just it didn't make sense for me to leave. So I'm I'm really happy I've stayed and. Um, this year has really proven to me that it was the right decision. I also considered um, not going to medical school this year and focusing solely on running, um, but decided against that.
1: So you partly answered my next question, which was, did you weigh any other options? Because for my listeners who don't know, you had an outstanding collegiate career at Michigan. I mean, you placed very high at nationals multiple times. You have multiple All-American awards to your name. I have a suspicion that you could have run professionally if you chose to go that route. And I'm curious as to why you didn't or what that decision-making process looked like for you.
0: Yeah. So, um, as I mentioned before, um, uh, medicine has been something that I've wanted to do pretty much for forever. And the only thing that comes close to that I wanted to do for almost as long as that is run. Um, but medicine definitely came first. So kind of in analyzing all that, I realized that, um, I didn't want to sacrifice a career in medicine for running. Um, and another thing that has, um, really been inspiring me as of late, um, and really these past few years is, um, the people who do things differently. Um, and so I'm just so in awe of, you know, people like Sarah Sellers and Marty Hare and, um, just, and even people like Mike Wardian, you know, who go about running differently. Um, I think it's so cool Uh, the way, you know, I think what, uh, I think dedicating your life to running is so cool and, um, that it's what the success people can achieve is amazing. But for me personally, the things that inspire me are watching people just do things differently and accomplish things in different ways. And I realized that I want that to be more of my legacy in running, um, uh, to, you know, do things a little more differently and see how um, I can be successful as both a runner and um, a med student and future doctor.
1: I appreciate that. And I think you gave some good examples of other folks who are doing it differently. And someone like Marty here, who's doing it Uh, himself. He just finished top 10 at the Olympic trials in the marathon while in med school. I don't know if you know Colin Liebold, who is in Massachusetts. He's married to Asling Cuff. Uh, He's in med school at UMass Medical and still running pretty fast on the track, broke four minutes for the mile for the first time last year. So it can be done. I'm curious, does being in med school and still trying to train at a pretty high level take any of the running related pressure off of you, whether self-induced or external?
0: Definitely. Um, it. I, there are cases, you know, for having all your eggs in one basket and there are cases for not having all your eggs in one basket. And I think that both, um, both, uh, have really valid, valid reasons behind, behind doing it either way. But for me, um, as someone who can get uh, pretty <laughs> invested in things and sometimes to a uh, detrimental level where I, you know, get really frustrated and down with myself, it, it helps to have, helps to have, uh, helps to have myself invested in different things. And um, I know that if I have, you know, a bad day, a bad day on the track, you know, I can, Um, I still got more going for me and I can still, uh, you know, work, I can still try to make a difference in a, um, another field, you know, in my studies. And if I have a, have a bad exam, I can get out on the track and put in some good, put in some good repeats and help myself, uh, kind of just change the pressure a little bit. So it goes both ways for sure.
1: Is that something you've had to learn in the past few years? (sighs)
0: Um, if it's something I've necessarily learned in the past few years, as much as something that has, I'm all I've always been trying to learn. Mm-hmm. You know, um, ever since I got started in running, and um, and in school, I've been a perfectionist. That's just kind of, um, for better or for worse, what I am, and it's something that I've always, for my entire life, had to balance. Um, and yeah, so it's something I've tried to learn for forever.
1: So it's something you've always been pretty self-aware of, even from an early age.
0: Uh, yeah, I was always the kid, you know, doing tons of different things, you know, I was in like, uh, playing three different sports, going to Girl Scouts, spending time after school in like academic clubs. So um always, always invested in a whole bunch of different things.
1: Well, it's taken you to some pretty amazing places so far. Has it ever gotten you into trouble?
0: I think that the way perfectionism has most severely um, manifested itself in me, what has been in my pursuit um, of running, especially in female distance running, there's um, a tendency to think leaner is better and um, to that more is better. And that uh, harder is better. And so kind of being a perfectionist, and I'm sure other perfectionists and just other people in the sport can agree that, um, you know, you might uh, tend towards each of those extremes, um, uh, each of those extremes in running. And um, so kind of, and that can, you know, it can make you really good for a season or two. Um, but then it's a slippery slope down and you can end up too thin, um, hurt and with, you know, negative, uh, negative physical and psychological effects, you know, that last for a lot longer than maybe your, um, overtraining alas, and you're under eating last. And I definitely kind of went down um, that slope, um, especially towards the end of my collegiate career and um, ended up in a pretty severe injury cycle where I was honestly getting hurt, um, hurt, like, you know, every couple months it felt like um, those with st- with stress fractures. So I think that would definitely have been <laughs> Um, the most negative manifestation of my perfectionism.
1: Well, I appreciate you sharing that. And I think a lot of people listening to this can relate. I can certainly relate because even though I'm a male, I've been in that same position. And it happened for me post-collegiately when I was trying to do everything possible to become a professional runner. And same thing. I ended up in this very vicious cycle of injury for a few years and running wasn't fun. And that perfectionist attitude got me into trouble it also taken me to some pretty good places by that point but i had to learn how to temper it a little bit in your case how did you work through that cycle of injury and self-realization that okay this is what got me into this situation i don't necessarily want to be here and i've got to pull myself out somehow
0: uh, well, I'm so happy you asked because this is actually one of my favorite things to talk about. Um, and yeah, so I um, went to the School of Public Health um, at Michigan to pursue a master's degree, a master's in public health and epidemiology um, for my fifth and sixth years in Michigan, which I was granted because I was hurt so much. Um, and at uh, the School of Public Health, I learned a ton of amazing things. Uh, and one of which was, uh, to figure out how to, you know, do literature searches and analyze data. And so I did a, I was fortunate enough to be involved in some, uh, research and literature searches uh, on stress fractures and, um, causes of stress fractures. And so that, uh, kind of led me down a couple of rabbit holes. And I found out that, it's not only important that there's there's so many factors that go into nutrition and um and and exercise performance, especially in women athletes, but all athletes really, and especially especially endurance athletes. And I learned that um, not only is adequate food intake super important, but also um, food intake, you know, spread out and um, given in uh, adequate, uh, adequate amounts throughout the day and how you need to, you know, be fueling, you know, um, with like good breakfast, lunch, and dinner and snacks. And you can't just be like stacking all your, um, nutrition at one time in the day and calling it good and how it's super important to, you know, be refueling soon after, soon after workouts and how all of these things are important for more than just, um, muscle recovery and bone recovery and training response, but they're also, um, extraordinarily important to, um, your hormonal response that Mm -hmm. keeps your bones healthy and, um, keeps, uh, uh, kind of, it's super important for normal, um, normal menses and women and just different, uh, different, uh, yeah different hormonal uh, patterns that are essential uh, essential to staying healthy and um, and psychologically sound.
1: There's a lot that goes on under the hood that I think we as distance runners can easily dismiss because we don't see it, right? Um, obviously, if you're hurt and you have a stress fracture and you can't run, it's pretty obvious that something went wrong. But we fail, often fail, to take into account what is happening to us hormonally, um, You know what's happening to our soft tissue over time, You know what may be happening to our bones when we don't even know it. And I think... You are studying that, but I think it's important for all distance runners to recognize that all training is stress and that all stress needs periods of recovery, and recovery is more than just – sleep and rest, those things are important, but it's also, you know, how you eat and how often you eat and how much you eat uh, and when you eat relative to, you know, when you're working out or how hard you're working out so that you can continue going for a long time without these unfortunate interruptions that oftentimes, you know, we can't see coming until they actually happen.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: I'd love to talk a bit about your relationship with running as it currently stands you're in med school you had a great collegiate career at michigan there are no races to be had for the foreseeable future i know that you were eyeing the olympic trials this summer but that's been postponed for a year how are you thinking about competitive running and where it fits into your life at this point
0: so my main goal when I finished running collegiately last June, um, at the, um, at the NCAA, uh, track and field championships in the 10 K was to stay healthy for longer than I've stayed healthy in years. And, uh, knock on wood, uh, this April, I've been healthy and running around 80 miles a week for pretty much a year now. Um, and that's, uh, was, that was a really, really, really big, uh, Uh, that was a really big step for me. And um, I kind of wanted to get there to see if, um, you know, there would be some potential someday to run a marathon. Because if my body hadn't healed enough to be able to withstand that kind of mileage, I figured the chances of me ever being able to train for a marathon were a little bit out the window. So I'm beyond thankful that you know the things I learned at the school of public health and the changes I made to my nutrition um, and kind of hormonal state uh, worked and you know really helped my uh, body kind of get back into get back into its healthy rhythms. Um, So that was the number one goal for this year, Um, and closely followed. Followed by, you know, I really wanted to qualify for the Olympic trials and run in them this this June. Um, Obviously, that is (laughs) no longer going to happen. Um, And honestly, the feasibility of me running in the track trials uh, next year is a lot lower just due to the uh, logistics of what my second year of school is going to look like. Um, So with that, I'm really excited, honestly, like beyond excited to, you know, call myself, you know, a marathoner in training. I don't know if it's, if one can happen this fall, but I definitely want, want one to happen within the next year and a half or so. And yeah, I just really want to get onto the roads and explore the roads and Um, have fun on the roads. I fell in love with running on the roads, um, kind of as probably a five or six year old up at my cottage in northern Michigan. And um, that's really where um, that, you know, kind of sustained that love with cross country um, as a high school and collegiate athlete. And um, I'm really, really excited to get back to it.
1: Hey, we're taking a quick break to say thank you to my friends at Ucan for supporting this episode of the podcast. Ucan is unlike sugary sports nutrition because it can be used outside of training too. Ucan is based on the premise of steady, long-lasting energy with no spikes and no crash, which is exactly what you want to fuel your day. The new Ucan Energy Plus Protein features 20 grams of plant-based or whey protein plus Ucan's patented superstarch energy source. Try incorporating Ucan into your recovery or meal replacement smoothies for a sustained energy boost. I've been using Ucan's performance energy drink before my long runs, big workouts, and races for the past 4 years, and it's a crucial part of my nutrition plan providing steady energy that's easy on my gut. In this unique period where none of us are racing, it's a great time to take advantage of the opportunity to try something that is completely different than other sports nutrition. Go to ucan.co slash shakeout. That's ucan.co slash shakeout to learn more about UCAN's one-of-a-kind energy and use the code shakeout25, that's shakeout25, to save 25% off your first order. If you're already a UCAN fan, you can save 15% with the code shakeout. My thanks to UCAN for their support of the Morning Shakeout podcast. Now let's get back to the show. You were a great cross-country runner in college. Longer stuff on the track, 5,000, 10,000 was your cup of tea. You just mentioned how eventually you'd like to train for a marathon. What is it about the longer distances in particular that have been appealing to you over the years?
0: Uh, Um. One is that I get beat a lot more easily the shorter the distance, <laughs> um, and I like to win um, or place well. But um, that's probably a much more superficial reason. Um, I I don't know. I just kind of um, I do know. Um, I really I like I like that runner's high. I like my um, I like my endorphins. You know, making those opioid receptors in my brain, uh, happy. And I like that high, that natural high I get, um, when I'm out there running long, running hard. Um, and just, you know, with the, once you get past that 20 minute mark, sometimes it feels like you're just, I don't know, you're in a, a different state, a different groove. And, um, it just, it starts to feel really good. And uh, yeah, it, I guess I, I like the way it makes me feel once yeah, once I'm in once I'm into it.
1: Take me back to how you got your start in running. You just mentioned how you fell in love with the roads as a five, six year old running outside of your cabin. But take me a little deeper into that. Was that just out chasing your parents around? Were you doing it on your own? I'd love to get into those early days of running for Aaron Finn.
0: Yeah, so we had a race at my cottage um, on the fourth every Fourth of July. Mm-hmm. It was just two miles, and um, I would, um, yeah. It, and when I kind of beat my mom, who's no slouch herself, um, we realized, huh, this girl should go out for cross country someday, um, maybe when she gets to middle school. And that was honestly the only time I ran, you know, all year for probably the first four or five years that I was running. <laughs> um, and then um, a couple, probably when I was a little older, um, sometime in mid-elementary school, I, I, my mom would go out and run in the morning, and I'd sprint ahead of her and stop, pretend I was waiting for her, but I was actually, you know, just breathing really hard, trying to catch my breath, and she'd catch up, and I'd sprint ahead again. And I played a ton of soccer, and I did gymnastics. And the only reason I was any good at those sports, um, and saying I was any good is. A, big stretch because I was, (laughs) I was not good, um, was because I could run, you know, I'd kick the soccer ball down the field and everyone else would be so tired by the end of the game that no one else would go after it. And, um, gymnastics, I just would fearlessly, you know, sprint down, sprint across the floor, sprint down the vault runway and get myself enough energy to do whatever, whatever trick I was going to do. And, um, yeah. So by the time I got to middle school, um, things just kind of came naturally and I loved it and I made some of my best friends in the world with it. And, um, and yeah, it was kind of just cross country and track became a part of my life from there.
1: Have you always had a competitive streak?
0: Oh my gosh. Yes. It's terrible. Um, I, I actively have to try to, uh, suppress my competitive streak because it gets, it gets um it gets bad sometimes
1: does that apply to all aspects of your life or just sports
0: i It applies to absolutely everything. I will race someone um the, the driving anything driving euchre whatever you want whatever you <laughs> wanna say it's everything, so it's definitely a vice that I have to um have to limit
1: Where does that come from, do you think?
0: Oh, I know I keep talking about her, but probably my mom. She's super competitive too.
1: You mentioned earlier in this conversation how your parents are both physicians and you took an interest in that at an early age. Along with that comes an interest in science, obviously. And you talked earlier about you know how 20 minutes into a run, um, you start having that euphoric feeling and then you're getting into what's actually happening under the hood um, in your body from a hormonal standpoint. Is that something that you're always trying to connect how you're feeling, why you're doing a certain workout with the reasoning behind it?
0: So I actually... um, I love to know after the fact, you know, kind of the science behind my workouts and my training. Mm -hmm. But I personally like to be a little more hands off in, you know, coming up with, with training plans and kind of hand that off to my coach. And I really just like to get into the feel of it and get into the, um, get into uh, the emotions of it and just the, the experience of it, rather than um, kind of any of the nitpicky, nitpicky science of it, and I think that's one of the reasons I love running so much is because um, so much of my life is based on science and figuring things out and understanding um, and memorizing all the little details. That running really provides an escape, and that's why it's been so 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 good um, as a medical student because um, it's. It's it just after like a long, long day of studying, it's the most welcome escape. And a lot of my classmates wonder, you know, how I can go out and do something hard uh, physically after uh, an, an intellectually demanding day. And um, I tell them that, you know, it's it's such an escape from the intellectual rigors to just push my body that I couldn't ask for anything better to do
1: how do you fit it in to your day right now as a medical student i mean i saw a post in your blog from a couple of months ago you actually had a screenshot of your google calendar and it's all color coded and spoiler alert, it's packed. Um, and you mentioned how you're fitting it in on, on different days, but I'd love to understand how you strategize around your academic schedule to fit in what is a very serious training program trying to put in around 80 miles a week or so.
0: Yeah. So, um, as a first year student, I've definitely got it easier than I'll have it, um, next year. Um, but Uh, because I have the flexibility to listen to my lectures online um, and at double speed and um, whenever I want to, um, as long as it's kind of within that couple of day frame and before we have our biweekly quiz. Um, So I try to take advantage right now of, you know, the times when my brain is most active and the times when my body is most active. So for me, my brain is usually kind of firing on all cylinders earlier in the morning, whereas my body's kind of like, I just want to, you know, lie in bed a little longer, sit on, sit on the couch and have a nice breakfast. So I take advantage of that and study hard in the morning. And usually, you know, late morning is when I'll get my main workout in, um, and, um, kind of use that, um, use that, uh, balance of, of, uh, kind of school time and workout time to, uh, to, you know, provide the rest and recovery that I need either mentally or physically. And then the afternoons are usually full of, uh, required class, class experiences, such as, um, you know, we have this class called doctoring where, we learn more of the soft skills, the art of being a doctor. And um, we have different uh, courses, uh, yeah, just different mandatory courses in the afternoon. And then I'll try to get a double in, um, eat some dinner, study a little more before bed, maybe watch. Uh, I just started Scrubs, so that's my latest, <laughs> latest thing. And um yeah, and then try to head to bed by ten o'clock and get it all going around six or six thirty the next morning.
1: So you're packing a lot in there.
0: But it's good. It's I'm just so lucky that running is my escape and running is my is my time to rejuvenate myself. And um yeah, and I've got uh, I guess not as much these days in the time of the pandemic, but when things are normal, you know, I have some really fabulous friends um, in school. And that really provides a social escape. And, um, whenever I can fit in runs with friends, um, and old teammates, that is definitely a, a much needed social escape too.
1: Are you doing most of your training these days alone?
0: Um, so I, I definitely was doing more alone this year than, um, than I have in the past. And honestly, more than I would have liked um, and I think that's partially because I was still focused on doing things on the track. Um, but that's honestly something I'm beyond excited for in my transition to the roads is that um, I'm going to be able to take advantage of the Ann Arbor running community a lot more um, and start start joining up with different grad student runners. And Ann Arbor actually sent two women to the Olympic trials for the marathon. Um, and just really kind of embracing the really strong Ann Arbor running community. Um, and so hopefully doing less training on my own and I know they do crazy things like run really early in the morning. So (laughs) definitely going to take advantage of that.
1: Are you working with a coach or are you figuring this all out on your own?
0: So, um, through this year, I was still working with, uh, Coach McGuire at Michigan and, um, that was great. And he honestly led me to do some really, really, um, amazing things thanks to his help and his belief and, um, his support. But I think we both recently agreed that if I'm going to transition to the roads and, um, work up to the marathon, that, um, it would be smart for me to look into, um, getting a, a, at least advising, if not more, from someone else. So um, I'm a little bit in the process of trying to figure out uh, figure that out right now.
1: I'd love to talk a bit about writing. I have been following your blog for the past couple of years. And aside from what you've been able to accomplish as a runner, what you're doing now as a med student, you have a real talent with words. And I'd love to learn from you when you started finding writing as an outlet or when you realized that writing was something you enjoyed doing.
0: Oh, well, thank you, first of all. Um, And yeah, um, I want to specify words definitely come a lot easier to me in writing than they do in speaking. Um, It's I definitely am trying to work on being anywhere near as eloquent as I am a speaker as I am a writer, and um, but I've I I I had some really great writing teachers growing up, and um, honestly, as early as elementary school, and they would always, you know, they always would harp on quality over quantity, because I just would spit out tons and tons and tons of pages of, of, of writing and of words as a kid, you know, for every, every school assignment. And they'd go through with their red pen and, you know, scratch out tons of things. And I remember in fourth grade, the first year we got, um, the first year we got um, any sort of letter grades, I got like an A minus B plus on one of a minus slash B plus on one of my papers. I don't even know how it was two grades, but there was a B in there. And I remember just being <laughs> devastated that perfectionist
1: and... in you didn't take it well.
0: <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, I still remember getting my stick turned once in pre-kindergarten um, still devastates me to this day, but, um, I, uh, yeah. And just cause it was just, I was too wordy. I said too much. And, um, basically, she said there was some good stuff in there, but it was buried. And that stuck with me. And, you know, um, that hard lesson really, I feel like paid off. And I don't know why I like writing, but I like connecting with people. And I um, I like having what's in my head be represented accurately in my words. And I have trouble doing that sometimes um, with my voice. And so the best way for me to do that is with my writing. So yeah, writing is just the way I feel like I can best connect and express who I am and what I think. And um, yeah, so that that's kind of why I like to write.
1: Well, it makes complete sense to me because I feel the same way. For me, writing is thinking and it's the best way for me to articulate my thoughts. And even though I have this podcast and I talk to people, I much prefer to put pen to paper or fingers to keyboard and get the words out that way because it just makes more sense. And I think that's part of what appeals to me about your writing because If you've had problems rambling in the past, it doesn't show in your blog. Your entries are very, they're not short, but they're concise and they're to the point and they're relatable and they're very honest and vulnerable and personal, which is part of what I appreciate about it. Was it hard for you to... Share that publicly with other people? Or, I guess, a better question is when did you decide that you wanted to take these thoughts that were in your head and put them in a blog that other people could read?
0: So, faith plays a really, really big role in my life. And um, I believe that I've been handed, you know, I've been dealt the cards I've been dealt because um, both, you know, good hands and bad ha- hands, because I meant to share my experiences and relate to other people and hopefully, um, hopefully help people avoid mistakes I've made or to, you know, be able to benefit from the things that I've stumbled upon and done right. Um, and so I, um, definitely just, I I feel like it's something that, I'm supposed to do and it's like my duty to do and it's my honor to do, to share, share who I am and, um, things I've been through and about my life. And I don't really have any, any qualms about that. It's not really hard for me to do that. Sometimes I get people saying, oh, well, thank you for being so vulnerable. That must be hard. Um, and honestly, that's, um, I mean, I appreciate the compliment, but it's not something that's hard for me. Uh, And I think that's definitely, uh, I am lucky in that, that it's not hard for me, but yeah, it's just, um, something I feel like is, yeah, my duty and my honor.
1: When did faith come into your life?
0: Faith has been, um, something that, you know, I grew up with and has been, uh, has always been, uh, really important to me. But um, it really kind of uh, it really started to become my own. um, Probably, it it really started to become my own in the depths of some of my first injuries as um, as a collegiate athlete, where I really lost a sense of purpose and identity because everything I was was running, and when you have a stress fracture and um, you can't run. you are nothing if everything you are is running. And, um, the first injury I had was actually, um, we came into the cross country season as the number one ranked team. And I just kind of, um, I imploded. I did everything wrong and, um, didn't help, help out my team at all. And it was honestly one of the hardest years of my life. And, um, I went into I know it's it's crazy to say that like just running can cause such like a severe depression, but I went into um a really severe depression and never had never wanted to kill myself, but definitely wanted to cease to exist. And um I kind of made I like scraped my way through that and um the only reason I got better per se was because, um, was because my body healed. Um, I would not have ever gotten better. Um, at least with the, with kind of the coping mechanisms I was using if my body hadn't healed. And so that, that reason, when I got hurt again and got another stress fracture, um, I, um, I I knew that I couldn't, go through that injury the same way that I went through my first injury and, um, I, I needed help. Um, and a friend actually, um, she told me this, uh, she told me this really cool allegory where basically, um, she said, you know, we see the world from the bottom of a cross stitch and everything kind of looks ugly and there are loose threads hanging and the picture doesn't really come together because um, that's not the way the picture is meant to be seen. But God sees it from the top of the cross stitch. And um, it's, you know, it every all the the all the loose strings and um, the weird patterns come together to form a beautiful picture. And um, that just really reminded me of of my faith and she invited me to you know start going to church with her which i stopped outside stopped doing um as a as an undergraduate um and really just kind of re uh, reinvigorate my my faith life and rebuild that community um that i had been missing um i never really lost my faith as as um, an undergraduate, but I lost um, the community of it. And in Christianity, community is essential. And um, being like kind of refinding that and refinding purpose um, and identity in in loving people and in serving Christ uh, really changed kind of the direction of my life, honestly. And yeah, so it, I really have my injuries to thank for um, yeah, rebuilding that community and uh, kind of lighting lighting a fire in an, an essential part of my life.
1: Did going that route, refinding faith and that community, help you to feel less alone?
0: Oh my gosh, yes! Um, not only, uh, I mean, I think the one of the main. I mean, the main reason I felt less alone is because of, um, you know, what, what Christianity teaches is that, um, you know, we're loved and, um, no matter what we do, um, or, you know, what we do, what we've done or what we will do. Um, and so that, that in itself, just like the basic tenets of the faith, um, helped, I mean, was essential in helping me feel less alone and giving me the, you know, the tools to get through it. But, um, Just like having a group of people who accepted me unconditionally, who, um, who had, I knew had also been through hard times, who were, who would be there for me, Um, you know, getting connected in a community group that met every week and making church a priority. And just like having these, um, these things outside of running uh, just were so, so, so vital in, in, yeah, giving me an identity and giving me a community and helping me feel like I was part of something bigger than myself. Um, and so, yeah, definitely, definitely played a huge role in helping me feel less alone through injury and then through other hard things.
1: Well, it really comes out in your writing. You often will quote scripture in your blog posts, but you do it in such a way that it's not over- overwhelming or overbearing. And that's something that I, I really appreciate. And I think even people who are reading it and aren't folks of faith can appreciate, they can understand the lessons that you have learned and are trying to share with others so they can hopefully learn from them as well.
0: Yeah, I try not to, um, I try not to push it on an, on anyone. Um, because I don't think that that's necessarily. I don't think that that's my place. But um, if uh, anyone is interested in ever talking more about it, I'm more than excited to to go deeper into it.
1: Moving forward, as you get deeper into a career in medicine, you continue to run competitively figure out what it is that you want to do professionally, do you plan to use your experience and your platform to help other runners to work through some of the same issues that you've dealt with in your career?
0: Oh, oh my goodness. I um, That's definitely what I want to do with medicine right now. I don't know if it's um, what I want to do with my medical career, but it's how I want to use medicine right now. I actually, um, last summer, I did a couple of seminars with... Uh, with some local high school girls um, regarding uh, kind of fueling and um, then tying it in with my own story and how I could have stayed a lot healthier had I made smarter decisions. And I want to continue to to do those seminars and presentations, whether they be in person or online. Um, And that's something I'm super passionate about it's something I want to do now and hopefully, um, I'm really interested in doing my capstone project on, um, uh, kind of about giving uh, medical students the tools to equip themselves to, um, better help female endurance athletes. Um, so, um, right now, um, Undereating is not as big of an issue in medicine as overeating, and so a lot of physicians aren't, um, aren't properly equipped to help um, help women struggling from uh, like the female athlete triad, especially if they don't have full-blown eating disorders. So I'm really interested in um, helping that side of things as well. And yeah, I'm really, really passionate about, um, you know, connecting running, my experiences in running and my experiences in the medical field to um, help women be healthier, stronger, um, happier and better runners.
1: I love that. You're doing some amazing things. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you for this episode of the podcast. Thank you so much for making the time.
0: My absolute pleasure. Uh, Thanks for having me.
1: All right, another episode in the books. Thank you so much for listening in. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell a friend about it or throw up a post on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook and encourage your followers to subscribe to the show. You can also leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever platform you're listening to this on, which only takes a minute and it really means a lot to me. A big thank you to UCAN for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. I've been using UCAN's Performance Energy Drink Mix before my long runs, big workouts, and races for the past four years, and it's a crucial part of my nutrition plan, providing steady energy that's easy on my gut. Go to UCAN.CO slash ShakeOut. That's UCAN.CO slash ShakeOut to learn more about UCAN's one-of-a-kind energy and use the code SHAKEOUT25, that's SHAKEOUT25, to save 25% off your first order. If you're already a UCAN fan, you can save 15% with the code SHAKEOUT. I'd also like to give a shout out to my rockstar team here at the Morning Shakeout. John Summerford of BearsRecords.com, who handles the production and makes this show sound as good as it does week in and week out. Jeff Stern for social media and editorial assistance. And Chris Douglas for managing sponsorship sales. I couldn't do what I do without their help. Last thing, if you're digging the podcast, I encourage you to sign up for my newsletter. It's also called The Morning Shakeout at themorningshakeout.com slash subscribe. And you'll get my weekly take on what's happening in the world of running along with a collection of things that I've been thinking about, reading, and listening to that you might enjoy getting in your inbox every Tuesday morning. Okay, that's it. I'm Mario Fraioli, and this has been another episode of The Morning Shakeout Podcast.